Hello, everyone, and welcome to Data Endures Tech Talk. Uh, we are delighted to have Elizabeth Waman from Second Harvest of Silicon Valley joining us for our June session. Um, Elizabeth, welcome. Uh, Second Harvest is near and dear to our heart, not only because they've been a customer for a number of years, but because they are um, an organization that Data Endure supports, um, just their mission and what they are doing in our community is so awesome. And so we're just, we're delighted to have them here. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're also joined by Shaheen. And we thought we'd take this opportunity. Um, Elizabeth has a pretty amazing story to tell uh, just with everything that's been going on over these past few months. Um, obviously, uh, Second Harvest is uh, critical to our community um, on any given day, just based on the, the DNA of the Silicon Valley and with uh, COVID happening and people in such great need, um, they are more important than ever. So Elizabeth, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's been going on with um, Second Harvest of Silicon Valley and um, we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, so things changed for us pretty quickly um, in March, like it did for everybody else, um, as the virus was spreading around here. Um, our organization relies really heavily on volunteers. Um, in a typical year, about half, um, I'm sorry, in a typical year, the overall hours that volunteers provide to us more than doubles our workforce. Um, we rely on them to come into our warehouses and sort food, um, as well as to distribute out at uh, distribution sites in the community. Um, we do have distribution sites that are run solely by volunteers. Um, and so right as COVID was hitting, uh, we started to see some of these sites close down because they didn't have the volunteers to run the distributions. Um, so in turn, uh, the food bank took it upon ourselves to go out into these high need areas and actually open up our own um, uh, new drive-through distribution sites that we were staffing with uh, our staff as well as volunteers that we were able to recruit. Um, up until um, COVID hit, up until February, the end of normal times, um, we had focused on our distributions being very farmer's market style, where clients were um, able to go up to a table and pick and choose what they wanted to get. Um, but since the um, shelter in place was, was uh, put in place, um, and we wanted to make sure that uh, some of the more um, vulnerable, vulnerable populations that we serve um, were able to stay healthy, we had to change that. Um, and we had to change that pretty much on a dime. Mm -hmm. um, so we started pre-boxing a lot of the food that we distribute. Um, at first it was just for, uh, primarily for the drive-through distribution sites and the senior um, populations that we were serving. Um, but today about 70% of the food that we're putting out now is pre-boxed. Mm -hmm. Um, we've been really fortunate. The National Guard um, did come in, and um, by virtue of doing so, they're actually doing the bulk of that um, pre-boxing work for us. Um, and so we were able to repurpose dollars that would have gone into hiring temporary staff to do that work. Um, we were able to repurpose that money um, for food um, and to support our distribution and logistics uh, to get that food out to the community. Um, we talk about February being our baseline as to what normal used to be. Um, so just for comparison, in February, we distributed six and a half million pounds of food, um, and that was out to about a quarter million people. 
in the community. Um, and in May, we distributed 11 and a half million pounds uh, and served over a half a million people. Um, so we've, we've really ramped up operations. That's an incredible uptake. What have you guys, yeah. uh, from an IT, you run all technology and IT for the company. Correct. What yeah. have you had to adjust to be able to support that kind of ramp? Um, so we... Especially in, given that COVID's hit and it's harder to get on site. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so our organization is considered a second responder. Um, and so uh, we were allowed to remain open. Um, so that we could have skeleton operations in order to get the food out the door. But we did institute a work from home policy, um, which we didn't have in place prior to COVID. Um, and so we had to uh, quickly be able to support having half of our workforce, um, about 100 people working from home. Thankfully, we um, had um, we already had a lot of projects in flight um, that were um, beneficial in us supporting that um, um, staff working from home. So we had just done a hardware refresh and um, moved a lot of people off of desktop computers to laptops so that they were able to quickly transition. Um, additionally, we um, just upgraded our firewall so that we were able to support a greater number of VPN users. Um, um, we had... Um, a couple years ago, actually, with uh, Data Indoor, we implemented your security operations center as a service. Um, so we felt like we were covered from a security point of view, which was actually really important for me. Um, that's one of the biggest concerns that I have is what what could they introduce into our network, you know, from out there in the world. Um, so we've also had to implement a new cloud-based phone system, which we just got in place last month, um, so that our um, call center has the ability to now work from home. We have a call center that people can call into uh, in order to get food referrals. Um, and we're in the midst of um, migrating our file share to the cloud right now. So we've been busy. <laughs> we've been yes, busy. no sleep for the weary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we, uh, we've seen a lot of challenges for folks that, um, similar to what you described, had not planned in advance that a uh, firewall upgrade needed to happen, they, uh, or they had firewalls that had limited licensing associated to VPN, because they assumed only 25% of the staff would yeah, right. ever yeah. remotely. And, uh, and overnight, it's, you go from 25% to 100% having to VPN in. And that's uh, where some of the moves you've made in advance of COVID coming were, were great foresight on your part um, because being able to consume cloud services, being able to have the firewall there and the capacity there to support you, all those things are really uh, an advantageous move that you made in advance. We've had customers that we had to scramble to help to get um, additional licensing for, new equipment for, because their their productivity was coming to a standstill. Um, yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been a nightmare scenario for us. So thankfully, we had a lot of these things either in flight or we had just implemented them. Um, so so we were able to pivot pretty quickly. That's great. So um, go ahead. I, I, I <laughs> go ahead, was just going to say, um, you know, the the operational changes that you all have had to make, you know, whether it be on the food distribution site, working with, you know, all of your community partners, IT, you know, all of it is so dramatic. Um, what do you think the future looks like? And I know that's a really loaded question because none of us, you know, yeah. none of us know um, 
you know, the timing of when people can go back into home, into work. I mean, th there's so much unknown, right. but, you know, based on what you've learned through all of this, you know, I think first of all, you know, kudos to you and your team for, you know, thinking about the what could happen or what should happen way before this. But, you know, what, what have you learned from this and, you know, what are you going to take away going forward um, from this experience? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we, um, I think as an organization that we've learned that we can um, institute change a lot more quickly than we thought we could. Um, you know, you, that we're able to just get done what we have to get done. Um, from an IT perspective, um, I think that, you know, what we're learning is um, we're, need, we're probably going to need to invest more in technology training for our staff. Um, that's been one of the kind of sticking points that we've we've seen. Um, although our staff have done a great job, you know, they also had to transition to working remotely um, mm -hmm. on a dime as well. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the need for our organization, we don't expect that there's going to be a massive um, drop off of the need out there anytime mm -hmm. soon. I mean. Yes, people will be able to go to work, but the unemployment rate is so high um, and the wealth gap is so large that um, we anticipate that we're going to still be seeing uh, quite a high level of need for at least the next year. But we're, uh, we're very fortunate we have great community support. Um, we have really strong partnerships with uh, companies like Data Indoor. Um, Cisco has been another one that's really uh, had our back through this. Um, they helped us acquire um, a fourth warehouse really quickly so that we could, you know, get back stock of food um, that we knew was going to be flooding in uh, mm -hmm. into another location. So um, we have great support and we really appreciate that. There's a, uh, there's a thought that um, it's two, there's two camps, obviously, like most things that this is the new normal and we're going to be in a situation like this for a long time. And, many companies are starting to think that it's not so bad. Maybe we'll reduce our office space and go to a more remote support work workforce. Um, it's a little bit different for you guys because so much of what you do is hands-on. Yeah. And but, but what are your thoughts in, in that kind of dialogue? Um, I think um, it's funny. I, I Pre-COVID, we, we've always been a really face-to-face -face organization. Um, uh, you know, we have before this happened, we have three different warehouses, three different offices. Um, and even though we use technology to video conference, people would still drive between buildings to see you face to face. Mm -hmm. um, um, but we've successfully proven that we're able to do our work, you know, and then some times two um, um, with half the workforce remote. And so I think those are the questions that we're asking ourselves right now. Um, but you know, half of the organization is made up of people who need to physically come in to do their job. And so there's also, um, um, we, wanna, we wanna be thoughtful about how we approach that question because um, equity is really important to our organization. Um, and uh, I think we will see a future where um, we will offer our employees the flexibility of being where they need to be in order to do their work. And I think that we will very likely, um, you know, longer term, see a lot of our staff being remote as a result. We, uh, we're also a very social company, meaning that we like to interact with each other, a very family first kind of mentality. And so it's been a challenge for some of our employees in a similar way to be remote and switching to 
this less than tactile uh, interaction. Yeah. And, um, and but it is uh, we we are also in a similar place where we're starting to say you know it's it's working and we're everybody seems to be the the I would say the negative right now is I feel like I work more hours now than I did when I went into the office. <laughs> disconnect, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and uh, Kirsten and I actually had the experience of shutting down our corporate office at a previous company we worked at together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and both of us were out of corporate, so we went completely virtual corporate. And the same thing happened. When there was no pandemic going on at the time, it was just a business decision. And uh, we, uh, we had massive operation centers on each coast of the country. And we were the only people in like 30 people in San Jose. So we shut down the San Jose office and uh, went completely virtual. And again, I felt like I, at first, I loved it for the first week. The second week, I was in complete depression. And then I adapted. <laughs> and uh, and what, I, what I ended up finding was I was not stopping work. I was working from the moment I woke up to sometimes up until dinner when I realized I'm starving. <laughs> and uh, and well, I find some good. of those bad habits. I know. I find some of those bad habits coming back, and I keep forcing myself to get up and go get water, go get a walk-in, go get whatever. Yeah. Are, are, your, people, are your people having to deal with any of that as a first-time remote? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, you know, my team in particular, um, half of the IT department is actually able to be remote um, and the other half need to physically be in the building because they're managing servers or help desk for the people who are uh, physically here. And so even within our department, um, we've had um, some challenges around that, some disconnect, right? Um, but we've done things like had, you know, just group social hours. Um, we've gotten together on Zoom and played rock, paper, scissors with each other. I mean, <laughs> silly thing. Um, right. Just to keep connecting. Right, right. It's tough. Um, yeah. So coming back, you, you mentioned um, that uh, you, you uh, adapted our sock offering um, a little over a year ago. And first off, thank you for being a customer. It's uh, uh, I think that one of the things that makes us proud as a company is not that just that we contribute in the food drives once a year and do what we can to help, but also to provide you support to be able to do what you do and keep mm-hmm. your people and your technology safe. It, it makes us feel better when it's a company who's making an impact on the community. So um, I think it's uh, reciprocally very, we're very happy to be working with you. And um, I wanted to get your sense of, you mentioned peace of mind uh, in terms of, I can sleep at night knowing there's people effectively watching the logs, watching the events that are happening. Um, how um, have you seen a change in terms of what things you focus on as a result of what comes out of the stock? Or is are things pretty much consistent and you're just more comfortable? Yeah, I think, um, you know, initially we did have a larger signal to noise ratio, you know, where we were getting alerts. Um, um, and every time we get one, I I'd, I'd sort of, you know, have a little bit of a panic attack, like what's, right. what's going wrong now? Um, but we've been able to dial those in. Um, and so when we do hear from the SOC, which is really not frequently at all now, I, I'm trying to think of the last time we heard something, um, it's something that's actually actionable. Um, you know, it's something that we really need to pay attention to. Um, or, or so, thankfully, we haven't had any actual things we needed to worry about. But but they they're um, 
they, they passed someone else's test, right? Um, mm -hmm. Someone else has already put their eyes on this and said, wait, we better actually get this in front of uh, someone at the food bank to investigate further. Um, so I really appreciated that because, uh, again, I, I think um, endpoints, our, our end users are, um, they're the ones that keep me up at night. And so I feel like you've given us a layer of protection um, um, that we didn't have before, mm -hmm. which, you know, how, how can you put a, how can you put a, a price on that? <laughs> mm -hmm. We, um, uh, we, we talk about, and I think we've talked about this before too, uh, this, this concept of a four-factor, or it used to be a trifecta, and now we, uh, we've added a fourth. Um, which is DNS protection, endpoint protection, and then the SOC underneath it, which all three of which you have. And we've added a fourth layer, which is anti-phishing protection, which is blocking the phishing attempts before they get to the user. Um, all of which is designed, you know, as layers. And while we felt that this was a, a good defense in depth or layered security approach uh, prior to COVID, it's become even more relevant now, mm -hmm. because to your point, now all of a sudden your attack service is distributed and people are working out of their home offices where there isn't a network uh, managed uh, network. It's their own home network and hopefully they have some sort of firewalling and hopefully, you know, the things are working as you expect them to. But if not, these layers of defense are really helpful in identifying things. And, yeah. uh, and so it's um, for, for uh, companies who are out there who are challenged with how do I secure the this remote workforce that I don't control, I would say some of what you have implemented um, uh, with our help and ahead of our help is really helpful in terms of making sure that those endpoints are all, um, let, let's say your edge has distributed, there's no edge anymore, and how do you make that distributed edge continue to provide telemetry metrics and information that you can use to find an event? Mm -hmm. Well, so I helpful. think what's... <laughs> I, uh, I think what's interesting too, Elizabeth, and, and you had mentioned this <clears throat> in, in a separate conversation that, um, you know, people might think that given your size or given your technology, that, that, that you know, Second Harvest itself isn't a wildly technologically savvy company, right. you know, why on earth would you need to do all the things that you do? Um, you know, and your comment was, well, gosh, you know, we have the same challenges, the same exposure. Um, you know, why is it? I think you really are a leader in your space and a leader in your thinking that, you know, you didn't necessarily look at it, well, you know, based on size or anything like that, but hey, here, here's the exposure, here's what's going on out there. Um, you know, what compelled you to you know really kind of be a leader in your thinking around this and saying hey this is something we got to invest in um security is just always been um i think you know from a technology point of view the one thing that keeps me up at night just just where can someone poke through um, mm -hmm. um yeah and, and being a nonprofit, um you know a lot of nonprofits don't have the the budget to be able to invest in technology and keeping things current, keeping things up to date, um, mm -hmm. staying on the, the edge of what's going on. Um, we have the resources to do that, thankfully. Um, but I think that even given this pandemic, we've gotten lots of press, right? Um, and so the wrong person hears about all that press and they're like, oh, wait a minute, let mm -hmm. me go see if we can get in there. Mm -hmm. um, that, and it, all it takes is just one bad actor. Right. 
Right. Yeah, we've uh, we've often said, uh, and I think when, you know, when we first started talking about the sock, we talked about this, you and I, Elizabeth, but the, the whole notion of what the sock is trying to bring to our customers is to put time back on your side. Mm-hmm. Normally, a bad actor can be inside of a network for up to six months poking around trying to figure out how to take advantage of something, compromise data, put ransomware on the system. And, uh, and our goal has been to put that time back on your side in terms of investigating, finding the bad actors. And to your point, when we send a note, it's the hackles go up and yeah. is there something going on? <laughs> and that's really our goal. So again, thank you for being part of our network and part of our family. Yeah, we've been really happy with you guys. Thank you. Did you, um, I think from a rap perspective, is there any last words you'd like to uh, give our listeners? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just so appreciate Elizabeth, um, you know, you as a partner, we um, appreciate what Second Harvest is doing. Um, you know, I just can't imagine um, I just can't imagine what you all have been able to to pull off um, having, you know, literally, almost literally an 85% increase in what you need to do overnight. And, um, you know, I think it just speaks to the passion that you all have. It speaks to the investments you've made, it speaks to the relationships you have here in the Valley, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you're really a Silicon Valley icon, you know, that the organizations have been around 45 years, you've done so much good. And, um, you know, we're just really, uh, we're, we're happy to see the success that you've had and happy that we can be a small, a small part of it. But, you know, certainly your mission of, um, you know, ensuring that people who need a meal can get one, you know, we are on board with that. And we just thank you and we thank your whole team for all that you're doing to, um, to take care of our, take care of our Valley. Thank you. Yeah. It's really humbling to work for such a great organization. Um, and. And like I said, we're really grateful for partners like like Data Indoor. So thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend. And uh, <laughs> everybody out there, we'll see you next month. Thank you all. <laughs>